Welcome to Blooming, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings, navigating how to grow up. I'm Tessa. And I'm Britt. And we'll be your co-hosts. This week we have two special yes, guests. you heard that right, <laughs> two special guests joining us for an In Bloom episode about investing in your 20s. We... Tessa and I are no experts on this topic. In fact, we are pretty much the absolute opposite of that. So we have asked some specialists in the field to come in and enlighten us on everything from shares and the stock market to what that whole GameStop thing was. I have been thinking about investing for quite a while now. I just feel like getting started is a little overwhelming. Like, where do I start? And I won't lie, I'm pretty risk adverse. So I've been worried that I'll do it wrong and lose all my money. So I'm really excited to quiz our guests today. Also, super exciting to have two men joining us as our In Bloom guests for the first time. I know, right? So excited to be getting some male insights, but I'm especially looking forward to this chat because I feel the same way about investing and I'm also extremely risk adverse. I've dipped my toes in with Ray's, um, have a referral code if anyone with it, uh, hit me up or I can leave it in the show notes, um, which, which I feel like has been like a pretty good starting point. But even then I'm pretty clueless as to what is going on with my money and how to work it right. Yeah, for sure. Needless to say, we have got a lot to cover in this chat. So should we just jump straight into our wins and fails? Let's do it. All right, let's talk adulting wins and adulting fails from the week. Just a little side note, I know we mentioned this last week, but every week when I'm writing my notes in my phone for our episodes, autocorrect changes win to wine. (laughs) I feel like my phone is just a reflection of me and wants to incorporate wine into every situation possible. I think it's just because you type wine into your phone so much that your phone thinks it's a priority, obviously. Well, I mean, it is. (laughs) She says on a Wednesday. (laughs) But I digress. Tessa, did you have a win or fail? I am back with another fail. Love this for me. So on the weekend, JJ and I were having a look at flooring for our maybe future place nothing confirmed yet so exciting I know and we had this like big plan and drove to like this place to look at this floor but when we got there it was closed oh no so they don't open on Sundays um (laughs) you didn't look it up before yeah well there went the plan but silly me (laughs) did not check the opening times just the address (laughs) rookie era tbh I feel like we have all done that before I know easy it is so what we ended up doing was Googling the same place, finding a different location that was open on a Sunday and driving there instead. Oh, my gosh. I thought all stores from the same thing would be closed. Yeah, no. No, you found one. We found one. (laughs) It was just like we took a little detour, a little road trip. (laughs) But uh, how about you, win or fail? Okay. Or should I say wine or fail? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I also have a fail. So this actually started off as a win. I work from home on Fridays and I – try to use that day to like be really organized and knock knock down some chores instead of having to do it on the weekend um so like before work or in my lunch break you just have that little bit of extra time Mm. so I don't have to like waste my weekend on chores right so I tried to be organized and do all my chores on Friday morning like got up early I think I'd vacuumed um like put on a load of washing and then I went and walked Nala and then I got back and I was like I'll I'll give her a bath look Um, at you adulting I know I was like I've got 45 minutes I think until I start work so I've got enough time to bath Nala shower myself bath you (laughs) and then you could bath yourself while in the bath with Nala well that's the thing so she comes into the is this gross I don't know but she comes into the shower so I yeah I think that's what my brother does yeah yeah because we have like a walk-in shower type thing like it's not a bathtub Mm -hmm. so I washed my I did myself first and washed my hair and I put the leave-in conditioner in like um and I was like I'll wash it out once I finished Nala like so like I can see where this is going (laughs) (laughs) so it has some time to like you know leave-in conditioner do its thing I bath Nala she's fresh um I let her out and I'm like I'll just quickly like I've given her a bit of a towel dry but I let her out of the bathroom and I went to rinse my hair and of course she runs straight outside because I hadn't closed the door to outside like to our yard 
she runs straight into the mud because um, it had rained a little bit. She runs straight into the mud, lathers herself up in mud and then runs back into the house. Oh, no. Jumps onto like my doona cover, my white doona cover that I didn't need to wash but now I do because it's oh, covered no. in muddy paw prints. And, yeah, she'd put new like muddy paws all over the clean floors that I'd just done. I feel like that could have gone in so many different ways. I was thinking, did she wash her hair with the dog conditioner or shampoo? Oh, no. Then I was thinking, did she forget to wash the leave-in conditioner and then like had leave-in conditioner no. in her hair? Like, like that could have gone so many ways bad. I like, feel like this is probably the worst because then I thought I was really on top of it. I was making good time and then I had to redo the floors and wash the duna cover and made did all this you extra work for Nala? me. Yeah, yes, and obviously rebath her because she's covered in mud. So <sighs> I made it to work on time, but yes, it was such such an adulting fail. It was a stressful morning. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, why are my contributions in this segment each week always double sided? Like, I'm always trying to be optimistic and turn a fail into a win, or like this week, my win turns into a fail. Clearly, my wins are just very short lived. At least you like have a win element, or like. Are trying to do a win. I'm just straight fail and then straight fail and then straight fail. <laughs> Before we jump into this chat, I'm just going to give a quick disclaimer that with four of us in our small-ish podcasting studio, um, we were a bit animated and a bit rogue. So if you hear any background noise, it's just us being overexcited. This week, we are talking all things financial advice in your 20s because, let's be real, it's a big part of adulting that we just don't understand. Um, but before we get into it, we just want to give a disclaimer here that, of course, you should and need to get your own financial advice due to your unique circumstances before you make any financial decisions. Yeah, so we thought it was important to have this conversation with people who are professionals and have a professional certification, especially since you and I, Tessa, are rookie AF when it comes to the stock market and everything that comes with investing. So welcome, Will and Rory, to Blooming. Will is a financial advisor and Rory is a commercial analyst slash stock market enthusiast. So we'll start this conversation with the same question we ask all of our In Bloom guests, and that is, what is an adulting win or adulting fail you've had this week? Who wants to go first? Yeah, so Rory, I'll share my fail first. Um, <laughs> first, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, it's not a major fail, and it certainly wasn't like a drastic issue this morning, but I love the pants that I wore to work today, and so I washed them late last night. Because they weren't ready for wear today. Because you wanted to impress us, I, right? I, exactly. I wanted to wear my good pants for the, the podcast. Because everybody will see you. <laughs> and so I, I washed them and then hung them out. And there was a bit of rain last night, so they weren't dry this morning. And I put them out of the plant to iron them, to dry them out before work. I ran out of time, ended up just copying the pants anyway. And on the 20 minute Wait, you put on work, the pants wet? I, they weren't like soaking wet, oh, okay. but they were not dry. Damn. <laughs> and so I copped damn pants all the way to work oh, no. and even when I sat down in my chair it was like a wet mark when I was sitting <laughs> there. So. Well I mean they look great. I'm glad oh, we got to see that. the pants. God, yeah. We'll have to take a photo and put it on our Insta story so everyone can see the outfit. Yeah I had to wear it so it yeah, yeah. So Okay um, you're up Will. So my fail happened this morning at the dog park, take my three-year-old Labrador to the dog park every oh, morning. Oh, what nice. colour Labrador? She's golden lab. Oh, love that. So Lola has a really bad um, habit of stealing other people's toys or other dog toys. <gasps> this is Nala. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had to run after the dog um, for half an hour this morning to give this um, kid's toy back. <laughs> oh, it was a kid? It wasn't uh, another it was dog? It was a dog, yeah, but like, yeah, the kid was playing with the ball. And sort of, oh, yeah, no. So. <laughs> oh, my God, I feel your pain. Yeah. Nala does that. She just sneaks up and looks like she's going to be friends with you but then takes your ball and takes runs away. Takes your items, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How good's being a dog, pet, mum, dad? <laughs> dad? I'm not there yet. Um, all right, so let's get into the nitty-gritty. So we're going to start off with investing. So starting off broadly, what are some of the main types of investing that you can be doing? Like what types of things can you invest in? Because personally I thought there was only shares, but that's obviously not the case. Fairly broad range, but I guess you just drill it down to two main categories, which is just property and shares, I guess. That's pretty sums it up. Oh, that's way less than I thought they were, so... (laughs) 
Okay. So there's also, just to add to what Will was talking about, there's also cryptocurrency, which is a relatively new sphere of investing, um, which carries its own risk. And also within share trading, there are ways and more advanced ways you can buy shares in a company other than just buying the shares outright. So there's sort of more advanced methods to, to that style as well. Okay, so our Blooming community is predominantly people in their 20s. When would you say is a good time or, like, smart time to start investing? Um, I think whenever you have the available funds. Um, I don't think any uh, time is too soon, nor is it too late. Um, Got many, I guess, many good people, very smart people would try and pick the market, but as, as Warren Buffett said... Time in the market. It's not time in the market. So that's how you make. Obviously, he's done pretty well. So that's good advice. I have no idea. <laughs> that is. Say, I was yeah. like blank faces over here. Yeah, yeah. Another really good buffer quote is that the market, the stock market, is a way of taking money from the impatient and giving it to the patient. Mm. So it's all about if you want the long term gains, it's about a long term strategy. You guys sound so Full smart. Full of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> We're like no idea. <laughs> Okay, so you've talked us through what some of the ways to invest are. What are some of your favourite ways to invest or, like, things you like to invest in? And obviously it's personal to you guys. Mm. Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I love to invest in the share market personally. Um, I find that in terms of, like, information coverage and risk, it like, it's quite well-known and there's very well-known brokerages that I trust to, to invest my money there. But I have dappled in the crypto space as well and I find, like, that's an interesting investing area as well um i would say that before i go ahead and say anything else in terms of advice i've made plenty of mistakes and i guess i'd empower anyone to do their own research before taking anyone's advice yeah i'm um all in managed funds myself so i'm a big believer in i'm not the smartest sharpest tool in the shed but there are plenty of smart people out there that obviously do this every day so that's where i sort of decide to put my money what is a good entry pathway to getting started with investing then like I don't know, I have Raise, which is my only double into the (laughs) shares game or investing market. Or like I know Spaceship is another one. Mm. Um, I found that's a good way to like dip my toes in. But Mm. what would you say? I started out with um, an index fund. So basically I invested an amount of money that I'd saved. So I had $5,000 was my first purchase in the share market. Um, And I'd saved it. It was money I was willing to risk. So I knew that it carried inherent risk. And I put it in a company that effectively tracks the top 200 companies in Australia. So they're very much a safer investment style. You're not playing individual companies. You're buying someone who holds multiple. Um, So the risk is diverse. What is this called, sorry? An index fund. So they, yeah, they effectively track the major market index. We Um, need a dictionary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to not (laughs) to speak. This sounds very up my alley because I like the safe option. Very risk adverse. Brit's just taking notes. So go and look that up later. (laughs) And what about you, Will? My personal opinion on this question would be um, before maybe you even start investing your money yourself, or guess your your money out of your pay. I mean, you're spending four hours at work on a Monday going to superannuation. So I'd maybe suggest start there um, because obviously compulsory, you're doing it anyway. Um, and I try and maybe understand that first because obviously you've got index funds and things like that in super before you sort of look mm. elsewhere. Wait, with your super, can you choose where the money goes? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's a very broad oh, market, gosh. but that's generally... Yeah. <laughs> I just let my super do its thing and I yeah. just assume that it's working for me. You, can't you choose, like, aggressive or... What are the different types in your super? Is it is it aggressive or... Yeah, so yeah. you, you got uh, growth... Oh, sorry, high growth, growth, balance... Balanced, yeah. And a conservative fund. So a balanced fund is what your default option is. Yes. So that's 50% cash and like a bit of 50% growth. equities, yeah. yeah. So it's a, yep. in the middle, basically. I'm learning things already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if I have this right, investing is like the overall category and investing in shares is just like one part of that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So I sort of view investing as putting money that you've saved to work. I mean, not necessarily to beat other methods like savings or inflation but that's certainly my purpose is to do better with investing my money than having it in the bank would do to grow it over time and mm. so or so yeah investing you can invest it in any avenue but it's to, yeah for me it's about putting money to work yeah definitely i mean you've got no matter how much you want to 
bend the rules, I guess, but you've got 24 hours in the day and I think investing is a good way to sort of maximise that almost because you've got something working for you when you're not. And so do you think like shares are then the most common type of investing? Uh, so, yeah, I'd say shares the most common um, simply because, you know, you can buy a couple of shares for a couple of hundred dollars rather than go and borrow a couple of hundred thousand dollars at a bank to get a property, for instance. So I think they're the most lower barriers to entry, I think it's called. Okay, so now you both might have a bit of a biased opinion here, but should we be getting someone to manage our shares or should we be like could we be managing them ourselves? Like do you need a financial advisor like yourself will um, in order to get the best return or can you do it yourself? Could you maybe talk us through the pros and cons of both? I mean, for me, and I've, I did an initial financial advisory consult probably five, five years ago when I first started investing, um, and I found it was a really objective way to gauge my risk tolerance, talk about strategy and talk about like a long-term plan of what I was going to do with my hard-earned money. Um, I, ha- I personally haven't then sought to continue that engagement because I've taken from that the sort of some core principles I use in my investing, and now I apply those with rigor and I find that that's worked well for me but I think for people that need that advice it's absolutely valuable um, and I think mm. in terms of managing risk and, and yeah sort of bringing you down to earth to be objective with a strategy I think there's a mm. place for that definitely just on that quickly um, we discussed this before but Rory like is a commercial analyst so obviously he understands data whereas I don't know about you Tessa but I look at the stock market and it's just so over my head so yeah I feel like if you're not experienced in looking at data and stuff it's maybe gonna help definitely gonna help <laughs> yep yep I'm gonna add something but I'm gonna wait to see what you say first yeah. <laughs> um because this is the podcast for someone in their 20s I would say I would get someone to push you in the right direction mm-hmm. but not necessarily actively manage your money because you know it costs money yeah. to get advice so mm. you want to make the most of that and i just think that's someone push you in the right direction and then you may be contacting them when you feel like you need to right so like start by yeah so start by like getting advice and then if you need to like mm. bring someone on to yeah 100 percent. because that's my biggest thing is i have like really heavy trust issues mm. so yeah. all i can think of is like wolf of wall street where they're stealing all your money <laughs> and yeah. i'm just like i can't trust anyone like with my money and i know my parents got shafted by a financial advisor once so like that's just mm. in the back of my head that like, I know you want everyone to have the best intentions or, like, you want to think everyone has the best intentions, but how do you trust them? I think everyone finds it hard to trust financial advisors from what's happened in the past, so... I have trust mm. issues with everybody, so... <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want to know the chats we've had about me trying to get my hair cut. <laughs> um, so how much money do you actually need to start investing in shares uh, to make it worthwhile? Like, should we be saving a certain amount of our pay each week towards shares or investing so that we can save up a certain amount like for example you're like five thousand before we actually put that into something and invest it i think one of the considerations is um depending how you're going to invest the money so there's something called brokerage whenever you buy shares in most well-known exchanges or brokerage companies you pay them a fee for the privilege of buying those shares and selling those shares so for comsec is one major broker it's twenty dollars per transaction so if you're buying shares and you consistently buy really small amounts but you're incurring that fee, that mm. can eat into your capital very quickly, into mm. your money. So I'd say, I mean, you don't need to start with an astronomical amount, but if you're going to use a, f- a f- brokerage that charges that, you'd want to use a bigger amount to reduce that hit on your trade. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, that so makes that's sense. not too technical. Yeah. Like, it does, point. but it's also so scary putting in like that much money to like out in the wild yeah, yeah. you have well, no control over the, it the good thing is that and the US has started it they're now introducing brokerage free um, brokerage free firms where okay. you can trade without brokerage in- incurring um, mm-hmm. fees so effectively you could trade for f- whatever the price of a share is it was $40 you could buy one for free and where do you do this so I can write it down as well? <laughs> well, there's a, it was an app called Robinhood, but it's um, a lot oh, of controversy around Robinhood at the moment. Of the GameStop, GameStop stuff. Yeah. Okay, we'll so get into that later. I'm not endorsing Robinhood. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say uh, when you want to use the money, for instance. So do you want to use it if you wouldn't wanted to use it? I don't know. Tomorrow, you're probably not going to invest it, but maybe for something three, five, ten years down the track, you'd definitely consider it. Yeah. And, like, a follow-up question to that is, so if you put, like, one lump sum into investing, how mm. often should you be, like, increasing that amount? Like, should you be any 
like profits you make, should you be reinvesting that? Or I think they're called dividends. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Girl, shook. Yeah. <laughs> shook. Um, so, like, should you be reinvesting that? Should you then, like, every yep, every pay be putting more money into that investment or, like, a different investment? Like, like you have to care for it. Like, it's your baby or do you just let it do its thing? Yeah. I mean, it's um, fairly subjective as to what you're actually investing in. Um, but I think um, the, the best way to do it is through dollar cost averaging. Um, what is that? <laughs> so opposed to, so I mean the share's unit price, the price of the share obviously goes up and down. So you don't want to buy it too high because it might not be there again, but you don't but you want to buy it sort of as low as possible. But obviously no one knows sort of what the best price is, but by investing regularly, you sort of average out your purchase price to get, I guess, value for money really. Yeah, no, I, exactly. And I use dollar cost averaging yeah, myself. It's a good um, strategy. And another buffer quote <laughs> off the top of my head, but it, I think it's, it's a valid point is, he said, long, like ages ago, if you had a scorecard or a punch card with 20 investment decisions that you could make for the rest of your life, what would you invest in? And his thesis is that all you'd need is those 20 decisions and you'd be effectively well off and wealthy forever mm-hmm. or you'd have a good a good future and a sustainable future. If I'm buying a company, of course, I, like I will always look to increase my position because I believe in that, that company and that, their growth. It's one of my 20 decisions. So, yeah, I would definitely buy more of the same share as long as I felt I was diverse enough in my portfolio. How so interesting. That's just one, one way to yeah. approach it, but that's a, yeah, mm. a buffer point. Well. Okay, so are shares categorised? Like, are there some shares which are safer or some that are riskier than others? Definitely some that are riskier than others. Um, yeah. There's a type of share called a penny stock, which is effectively a low low value in their market capitalization share. So market capitalization is like the value of all of the shares combined for that company. And so if you think of a big company like, I don't know, Coca-Cola, there'll be many tens of billions of dollars in their market capitalization. Another smaller gold explorer might be at the fifty million dollar mark, like a lot smaller. They're inherently more risky because there's you know, there's less known facts about their their management, their growth strategy they don't pay dividends probably, so there's no cash in the business that's flowing. So I'd say they're the, probably the riskiest place to be is a penny stock as opposed to a blue chip large company. All these buzzwords. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about, um, again, Waffle Hall Street, the like pink slips. Is that what they had? Penny stocks. Yes, I'm nailing this. Obviously, this is the one movie I've watched anything to do with this one. All right, so can you talk to, like, the long-term versus short-term gain? So it's investing, like, what I can understand of it is that it's really the long game. So in times like COVID, where the stock market is, like, so volatile, how do you stick it out without losing all your money? Like, I know I think some people, like, panicked and just withdrew all their shares, which made it the stock market crash. I'm probably butchering this. But then mm-hmm. I'm getting nods. I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Um, Absolutely. And so then people panic and, like, everyone sells. But if you don't sell and if you hold on to it and be patient and play the long game, you can be better off in the long term. Mm. So, like, how do you balance that, like, getting scared and, like, wanting to withdraw your money versus, like, holding out and playing the long game? Yeah, in my view, like, the first, I guess the first step is to realise that the market is going to be volatile over the, over the long term. So you have um, market cycles depending on where you're invested. But, I mean, if you look at COVID, there's been other instances like the crash, the stock market crash that have occurred before. So as long as you're aware that over 10 years, there might be a couple of years that are what they call a bear market, but a declining stock, declining stock market, um, and there's also a bull market where it's going to rise, and you're prepared to have your cash sit there, while that happens, you'll probably make the best decisions along the way. Selling at the peak of a sell-off is the worst time to sell your shares because they're at a lower price than they've been for a long time and they'll probably, you know, at, at some point will bottom out at that price as well. So panic, panic selling is a really bad, in my mind, investment decision unless you're desperate for the cash. But if you're desperate for the cash, you probably shouldn't have it in the shares. Be my viewpoint. So we mentioned index funds before. So index funds are a really good example of investing long-term versus short-term. So in an index fund, it's generally the top two to 300 companies. And the way the index fund is weighted is it's just simply how much we consume. So, you know, we fill up our car Mm. to go to work, put money in the bank. 
because they make up the largest portion of those companies, if if CBA, for instance, wasn't around anymore, what would happen to the three other biggest banks? Where, what would they do? Would they get bigger well, or would they go get smaller? Did CBA crash and burn and lose all of our money within CBA or was everyone to get like their money out of that and put it into the other three banks? Mm. Well, the thing is, of an index fund, it would have reweighted and automatically removed all your money from CBA because oh, okay. they wouldn't have been in the top three to 300 companies anymore. So because of their size... And, you know, you look at Brisbane. Have you guys lived in Brisbane your whole life? Mm. Look at the size yep. of Brisbane. So as if as Brisbane gets bigger, which it has been since obviously I've lived here my whole life, because we consume more and the population's growing, do you reckon the stock market's also going to go? Yes. So I think that answers your question, I think, <laughs> long term. You know, there right. might be short little dips in the short term, but long term, everything's going to keep getting bigger. You know, we're eating more, consuming more, driving more. Okay, so just circling back to market volatility, I've heard some of this volatility is significantly influenced by some key players like Elon Musk, um, currently the biggest billionaire in the world, if I'm correct. Do you think that this is dangerous for investors? I think it's absolutely dangerous for investors because you if you're following the wave and there's absolutely money like people have made money from following someone like Musk in his tweets and buying what he's tweeted and then selling it when he downgrades in another tweet but I think that method of short term trading where you don't understand the underlying asset you're buying and you don't understand the business enough is dangerous because if you see the price falling you'll sell it when you probably shouldn't you probably shouldn't have bought it anyway because you didn't understand what was didn't driving it didn't fit with your 20 criteria didn't did not fit in the criteria no because <laughs> he tweets a lot <laughs> so it sounds so, like you really focus on like knowing what you're investing into I, yeah i think research and comfort in your investment is what drives your conviction when the market crashes and you have to hold the stock i think if you don't have that conviction then you're likely to be overcome by those emotions and make a poor decision so be your own person instead of a sheep definitely Okay, so how do people know when something is about to go down in the stock market? Like, is it just through constantly watching the trends or is there some sort of forum where this is discussed? Like, I've spoken with Rory about this before and he says that he, like, hops on every morning, has a look. So much time, especially if you're like me and you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah, like, I'm, I must admit I'm a little bit addicted to the an Aussie stock forum called Hot Copper, which is the most widely used in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that again? <laughs> it's called hot hot copper. Hot yeah. copper. All right. But I would say that no one on there knows when the stocks are going to go down, but they have a sentiment, and they have a feeling based on their research and you know their analysis. Again, you got to do your own research and understand that. But I mean, our our market, the Australian market, follows international economies, so we follow the US market pretty closely. Um, so there's a way you can look at their market and what it's doing and gain an opinion. But yeah, how has that been considering how US the US has been in the last like year compared to Australia? Like volatile. Like if you think about an election, a major mm-hmm. event, the stock market either rallies or declines based on what they think the result will be. Even though we're not directly involved, it's not our president or prime minister. Our market still follows that trend. How interesting. So macroeconomic mm-hmm. factors drive us yeah in the same way. I don't. I don't think you know. To be honest, I don't think you know whether it's going to go up or down or sideways. So. Because is it kind of like sometimes in those forums they could be indicating something, but it's like whether people commit to that or whatever, and that's like I guess what we're going to go into with like GameStop. But people could, you know, hint that something's going to happen and then a whole bunch of people invest in something, but yeah. then it's not. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous, isn't yeah. it? It's market manipulation, really. But I, gen- I genuinely don't – even with GameStop, how do you know I was going to hit to 140 bucks? Yeah. Why Just didn't it go know. to 200? You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. why didn't it – why did it go that quickly? Yeah. <laughs> so many variables. So you just mentioned GameStop, which I, until Britt was like, let's do an episode, and she called it, like, GameStop what? And I had no idea what GameStop was. Mm. Literally, Tessa, GameStop what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, I have no idea what that even was. So obviously I was living under a rock. But can you tell, like, us rookies, okay, me, what the hell GameStop is? Like, is it a bit of a bud? A bud, like, <laughs> like it seems to be a bit of a buzzword. Like Bitcoin was back in the day. It might Bitcoin might still be, but so GameStop is actually a like a physical video game seller in the US. So it's a big company that's been around for a really long time. Similar to, similar to how we had Video Easy that actually sold hard copy DVDs, um, and so the share price for years has been declining or 
staying pretty stable because they're not selling as many games in is hard it like copy EB anymore. games? Yeah, similar, similar. Okay. But because a lot of people buy it online or they buy it through the console or whatever, you don't and you download it over the internet. You mm. don't need to walk in and buy this. So their sales suffered, of course. Yeah, and so the GameStop frenzy was effectively an online... So there's a forum called Reddit where a bunch of people were talking about the stock and how they thought that it had been unduly um, impacted over the years. They picked up that it had a really high short interest um, where it was being shorted by big companies and so they rallied together to push push the price up to um, sort of hinder these big hedge funds that were shorting the stock. So you just touched on this and I've also heard the term around um, short selling. What exactly does this mean? Like from what I understand it seems to be a quick play which contradicts I guess investing traditionally being like a long-term game. Well, so by its nature, short, shorting is to assume that the stock price or the price of the asset is going to decline over time. And so in a like a simplified analogy, if you knew a monkey that had a business and they had... A 10, monkey! It was, worth, it was worth 10 bananas. Oh, my and God, so we're you, going really lame in now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, sorry, I'll change it. It were 10 bananas, but they were each worth uh, $2 each, these bananas. So you bought the bananas... Oh, sorry, you, bor- you borrowed the bananas off the person. You didn't buy them, you borrowed them. So you borrowed 10 bananas and immediately sold them to someone else for $2 because they're worth $2. So you had $20 and you owed that person the 10 bananas you'd borrowed. You waited and the price of those bananas declined over time because you thought that the stock price or the price of the bananas would decrease. You then bought back the 10 bananas for a dollar each, so half the price you paid. So you had $10 still in your pocket and you gave the person 10 bananas back and so you profited the difference of $10. So you're effectively, when you short a company... You're assuming that the price will decline, which is bad for a business. So it's inherently a negative thing for that company. Um, but you profit because you've sold it back um, and pocketed the difference between what it was worth and what it's worth now. You can't trust bananas. I hope that made sense. You just no, you can't. You can't. <laughs> All monkeys. If I ever do get into the stock market, I'm going to be like... What bananas do I want to buy? <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, someone said bananas and I can't see any here. I probably confused everyone listening. <laughs> no, that was a really good no. That made sense. Thank you. That's all right. Okay, so I heard it's too late to get involved in GameStop. Is that because of what you were just explaining? I personally wouldn't get into it now. And even at the time, I saw it and didn't get in because I don't understand the fundamentals of the business that drive that valuation. All about loving and knowing the business. It's all about yeah. knowing what the business is worth for me in the stock. Um but I think it, I don't know, it probably has a way to go, potentially up or down. I don't know. Well, I thought like it dropped significantly. And just the other day, I saw something that was saying that, that it had gone back up. So I'm confused. Like, yeah, why are people so, getting back on the bandwagon? So they effectively rallied, and a bunch of people made, in my opinion, made a hell of a lot of money. And the hedge funds that had shorted it had to buy it back. So they closed what they call closed their positions. Um, and so the share price went up astronomically. It's then fallen back, I think, because of people taking their profit from this ridiculous gamble. Um, and I, th- from what I can see, it's risen a hell of a lot again, probably because they've rallied for the same reason. They've picked up that the short interest has increased and so they've tried to do the same thing again. Right. Smart cookies. Are they, though? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tessa, you mentioned Bitcoin before being another buzzword. What about this? Like, have we missed the boat with investing in Bitcoin? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> not, that's um, a cryptocurrency, right? So, Rory, you said you were doubled in that. I have doubled in that space. Um, I personally, and is again, an empower anyone to do their own research before they go and buy Bitcoin, but I don't think so. I think it has a fair way to go. Um, by its nature, Bitcoin has a, a very um, limited supply. So there's only so many coins that will ever exist. But the demand for Bitcoin in that style of, of blockchain is increasing over time. So I think the price will increase over the long term. I don't know how long that'll take. Um, it's, a, it's, I think, $70,000 Australian at the moment for a coin. I think eventually it'll it'll get above six figures. But it's hard. To, it's very hard to know what it'll look like in the medium term, in my mm. opinion. Sorry, I, if we wanted to get one coin, we'd have to lay down 70K. 70K, yes. yeah. Yeah, but you can, I mean, no, you, can buy in, you can buy increment. Aren't um, they called Satoshis? No, so, and I don't know how to say oh. that, but Satoshi was the founder. Yes. They, they don't know if it's a person or multiple people or an alias, right. but he was the maker of the Bitcoin. He, he effectively coded it um, in the beginning. Did he do the blockchain? 
Yep. Yeah, cool. Yep. Um, okay, so, yeah, I mean, I did touch on this, but for someone who has already started dappling in investing <laughs> in Bitcoin, um, how do you recommend managing that? Like, when do you buy and when do you sell? If you're looking to make a profit, how do you know when to sell or when to buy more? So, yeah, for example, I have some Bitcoin, which I feel is pretty volatile. Um, it seems to go in like cycles. And it, yeah, it seems like when I make some money, then it drops back again and I lose a heap and then it slowly comes back and it'll gradually go up. But mm. it, should I be like selling when it's high and then buying back when it's low? Or? I have, well, in a portion of my, my portfolio, what I'd invest in, I'd have that view definitely to hold it forever if I could especially if it's paying an income if it's paying dividends in a share then you're making money and you can hold that and you can get the capital growth over time but I think there's also a place to take profits when you've made them in the event that it goes down and you know you've got to consider your tax implications depending how long you've held a share or an asset mm-hmm. mm. but if you can incrementally take profits and reinvest those profits in the market you know for me in a portion of my portfolio as, as long as I pick it well and I know the companies, I think I can maybe do better than holding it um, purely for the long term. But that's my opinion and mm. it's not, not a widely shared opinion necessarily. So Very individual. I find it hard to believe though that people that bought Bitcoin at $100 still have it at 70000 Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. True. Been too tempting. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Diamond hands. Okay, so what advice would you give someone who is very risk-adverse, a.k.a. me, when it comes to investing? Would you jump in a pool if you couldn't swim? Probably not. So I guess it's about education then, isn't it? If you can swim, I think you're more inclined to jump in the pool. So if you know the risk you're taking, well, you're probably more inclined to take it. Um, Yeah, I don't think you're probably, or as many people are as risk-adverse as they think they are. Um, I mean, just took out a loan over the next 30 years. It's not very risk-adverse, is it? Um, I also don't want to boast, but I did increase my raised portfolio to moderate instead of safe or whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) Good start. I think that's excellent advice. Know what you're doing before making that decision to actually leap in and do it, especially if it's your money, which is hard-earned. Yeah. So I just need to educate myself more, yep. which is why you guys are here <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> and why we had to do this topic. All right. So to round out this chat, we understand it's up to individual preference and circumstances, but do you have some top tips for people in their 20s looking to be smart with investing? I can, Yeah, I think the number one, um, and we've touched on it a fair bit, is to do your absolute research and think to put, for me, put 10 times as much time into researching something as watching its price go up and down or following the investments. I need to know what I'm doing and I think for anyone that's super important because you'll be able to hold it through the bad times and have conviction in what you've done um, and, you know, start with what you can afford to lose. Notice that, you know, everything you're investing in has risk but it can pay off if you hold it for the long term mm. if that's part of your strategy so yeah I think um, the most valuable thing for people in their 20s is to have is time you've got the most amount of time mm. in your life you're earning money you can save a little bit but still have a good time but I think that's the most valuable thing you can have um, and I think you need to make the most people in their 20s need to make the most of it because I think they'd be pretty surprised what they can do Well, thank you so much, Will and Rory, for joining us today on Blooming and sharing your investing insights and knowledge with our buds. I know I personally have learned so much from this chat and am feeling more confident in dipping more into the investment game. Um, Started with a toe, probably not ready to put my head under, but maybe one day. That tied in really well with the pool thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, thanks for having us on. (laughs) Yeah, thanks very much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. It's been great. Yeah, it's been good. And finally, you know what time it is. Let's talk Adulting 101, our weekly resource or recommendation that we found helpful in navigating our 20s. Britt, what have you got for me? Okay, so this week I wanted to mention a few podcast resources that I have listened to on the topics that we discussed today with our In Bloom guests. So firstly, there's a podcast episode from Tom Tilley's The Briefing called Reddit vs. Wall Street, The GameStop Heist. Um, I thought this was a really good explainer. Um, I know Rory gave a really good explainer with the bananas earlier, but this one really breaks down what happened with GameStop and um, delves into a bunch of those 
um, buzzwords, kind of like what we did today. So and I, less monkey business. <laughs> a little bit less <laughs> monkey business. Um, and yes, I found that one really interesting. I will note the episodes from the briefing start with the news headlines. So when... Um, if you listen, if you do listen to it, like you'll get the, all the news from when it was first published. So you might want to skip past those to the actual um, segment. Otherwise, you might get a little bit of deja vu. It'll just be a flashback. <laughs> Where are we? What is happening in the world? <laughs> um, and I know I've recommended the quickie before on here, but they also released a good explainer episode on Bitcoin called should I be buying Bitcoin right now? Um, and they kind of talk about a bunch of different uh, cryptocurrencies that we didn't really delve into today. So yeah, definitely recommend both of those. We'll pop them in the episode notes. But what about you, Tessa? What's your resource this week? So you went very topical and very relevant to our chat. I went completely off the, like off the topic fine. and off the charts. Balance. So my resource is actually about all things sleep. So my overthinking brain really struggles to switch off at night and it can take me like a ridiculously long amount of time to fall asleep. Like how long do you reckon it takes you to fall asleep on average? Oh God, it depends. I feel on nights where I switch off late, you know, like if I'm doing work late or something, then it will take longer. But if I am exhausted and, you know, have really worn myself out, then I kind of just fall into sleep and crash. Okay, so fun fact for you. When I was a kid, I once heard on the radio, it was like quite ironic because I was like quite young and I was lying in my parents' bed because I couldn't sleep. Me and my parents' yeah. bed again. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> Slides into the episode again. <laughs> um, but because I don't listen to anything like really when I'm going to sleep, but mum had her radio on and it said that on average, adults take seven minutes to fall asleep. Seven? Seven, right? That's wild, okay? Because my average is much like like half longer an hour, than that. An hour. Sometimes I'd be pushing, if not bypassing, an hour, like mm. or even later. Sometimes I get into bed at nine o'clock and I'm still awake at midnight. Wait, hold on. Is this why you're in bed like at eight o'clock every night? Yeah, because it takes yeah. me so long to get there. Like yeah. I have to start trying to fall asleep at like eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock if I can. Um, even if I start at ten, I'm screwed. Like yeah, right. ten is probably my cutoff. I'm screwed. It like no, actually nine thirty is like my have to call it or if not I'll like be really like not good in the morning um yeah so I'm like sometimes I'm like do I get too much sleep is that why I'm so tired but it is it's that it just takes me so long to like get there um but yeah so like as a kid I was like okay on average it takes seven minutes to fall asleep then I'm going to count to seven minutes which is 420 seconds please it um (laughs) anyway so yeah because I was like yeah I reckon there's no way I'll be asleep and so but like this active counting, like focusing purely on counting actually puts me to sleep. So I guess that's where the, like the counting sheep comes in, like that thing that you can, yeah. that people say. But the sheep thing doesn't work for me. I have that brain where you can't like actually visualize things. <laughs> oh, I think that's me as well. Like I'm just like watching the sheep and I'm like, this is boring. But I, don't, I can't even see sheep in my brain. Oh. Like when I shut my eyes, I can't see anything. It's just like black, maybe a bit speckly. Like I can't visual mm. anything, visualize anything. Interesting. Anyway, so I just count. Um and so it's like, wait, so you don't visualize the numbers counting? No, I just oh, count. what? Yeah, we yeah. have different brains. So it's not perfect and it doesn't work all the time, but I find it so handy and I've never gotten to 420. I usually either lose count or focus and like have to start again or like give up. Um, but so since counting isn't like a physical resource, I felt like I should throw a physical resource in there as well. Um, so I'll give you a quick one of those two, which is a meditation playlist on Spotify by Sarah Edelman and it's called like sleeping soundly and there's like part one or two and so I found it like really cringe at first like her voice is if you listen to it you'll like understand her voice is like kind of like I don't want to even try and can you do it 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 is time to go to sleep well that's yeah yeah so it's like I was like I don't know if I can do this it's very like I don't know if it's I listened to one of those and it's like, I think it's a podcast episode instead of like a Spotify playlist, but it's a guy and he's got that kind of voice. Yeah. And now it's kind of like a lullaby, like kind of like sleep. Yeah. Like sing songy, (laughs) I guess. Talk normally. (laughs) Yeah. And so while like it is a guided meditation, so it does take you through meditation, I just find that like her voice actually like lulls me to sleep Mm. and 
um, I set like a sleep timer on Spotify for 30 minutes and I haven't made it to that point yet, which is like wild that like it, I'm falling asleep within 30 minutes because that's just unheard of for me. Um, so huge win sleep wise, but I also use it in the middle of the night if I wake up and can't get back to sleep. So like that, that's the other thing for me is that it takes me forever to get to sleep and then I wake up like five times a night, maybe on average. So you're and like then, a light sleeper or whatever. Yeah. And then sometimes I can't get back to sleep. It's either... A lot of the time it's because like I have to get up to pee because I've got the smallest bladder ever and I drink, and you drink so, so much, much water. water. Or um, like if JJ's in the bed with me, he'll roll over and that will be enough to like wake me up. Yeah. And then once I'm awake, I really struggle to like get back to sleep. Yeah. Um, but I can't play this, like I can't play something all night because that will wake me up as well. Mm. So it has to, like I have to put a timer on it and then I need dead silence. But anyway, that might be helpful for anyone else who struggles with sleep. Yeah, I have tried one of those things. It's, I think, a bit similar. Um, I forget the name for it, but it makes rainforest noises. Like a white noise? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did that with Nala, actually, when she was a puppy to calm her. Cause, did it work? Yeah, it did. Like, she loved it. We'd just go to sleep and we'd put it on top of her crate, but then it also helped Lockie and I because it was really <laughs> peaceful. But, um, no, it'd be interesting to try a meditation one. I might give that a go. I'm quite specific. I've tried white noise before. I could only do rain, Mm. but it doesn't work anywhere near as well. So interesting, hey? Yeah, well, it's just, like, crazy how, like, I envy people who just, like, put their head... like like, your brain is wired. It is. It's wired. I, like, describe it as one of those, like, arcade games with, like, the two silver balls that, like, you hit things and they make noises and you get points for it hitting different things. I feel like my brain is those, like, balls and it's just, like, hitting different things and, like, going all over the place. Thank you for listening to another episode of Blooming with our two in bloom guests. If you haven't already, please come find us on Instagram at blooming.podcast. If you're enjoying our content, please DM us your thoughts on this episode and what topics you would like us to talk about in coming episodes. Or you could even let us know by sharing a story of how you're listening or using one of our Adulting 101 resources and tagging us. We would love to share your experiences on our stories. You can also let us know that you like what we're doing by hitting the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify and even maybe leaving us a rating or review, hopefully five stars because algorithm things. Uh, We're so grateful for the feedback and it helps us to keep building our blooming community. And if you like this episode or think that someone like would be informed by it or find it interesting, then share it with them. That always helps us too. Chat next week, buds. Bye. Um, our first in bloom, a beautiful blooming community. <laughs>